Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast. Your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter is how you get in touch with us. It's Sports Garden. G-A-R-T-E-N. Hashtag S-G-N. 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is where you can get us. And guys, what a week we have. Let me be the first to tell you, everybody that is listening, happy Thanksgiving out there to everybody be thankful for what you have. And hey, we have a lot of football this week. Not only do we have, this is one of my favorite weeks of the year. Not only do we have football, obviously, on Thursday. A lot of college games on Friday. That college slate is always a good Friday slate. College games on Saturday. Pro games on Sunday. Pro game on Monday, of course. And in the mix of all that, we have a lot of college basketball. A lot of good games, seemingly, here in college basketball. We have sprinkled in some NHL, some NBA. So you will get your fill around the country for this weekend. Now, I'm sure that the wife is going to have you outside putting up decorations and doing all kinds of stuff. But guys, listen, you're going to find some time to watch some sports this weekend. And it is a great sports weekend, especially in the NFL where we have so many injuries going on that it's going to be an interesting kind of find where we're talking about the best lines of the week. A lot of situations here are going to be dictated strictly on the injuries that we do have and that we're going about. So before we begin and go into everything, I don't normally do this, but there's not only injuries, but there are big injuries at key positions. Let's go into some of the rumblings and things that have happened over the course of the past week or so. So we'll start it off right at the top and the saga in New York where Zach Wilson is now on the bench, right? Um, the saga in New York is very simply exactly that. It has become a soap opera. It has become a saga Mike White will get the start this week against the Bears. Zach Wilson has been officially benched, and there's multiple reasons for this. But let's go into Mike White, okay? Before we go there, let's go into Mike White. He's not a huge upgrade, guys. Let's not let make like Mike White is walking into the building, and he's your savior. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people calling that, hey, it should have been Joe Flacco, right? Because Joe Flacco looked good earlier in this year. Mike White... In 2021, completed 66.7% of his passes. He had five touchdowns. He also had eight interceptions. He had huge peak games. 400-plus yard, three-touchdown performance against the Bengals. That sticks out in week eight where the Jets you know, just looked fantastic. But we've also watched him consistently be the check-down guy. 
be the guy uh, that if you're in a fantasy, you should be looking for Conklin. You should be looking for Carter. You should be looking for the check down. He is not a good NFL quarterback. With that said, can he be a good NFL quarterback for this week? Yeah, he absolutely can. That's what sports betters are looking at. You look at Joe Flacco waiting in the wings. He looked good earlier in the season. But this is more of a sense of we want to show the team we want to kind of push for the playoffs this year. And you're stopping your development of your long-term franchise caller who still looks like it's going to be Zach Wilson. There's a lot of problems here with Wilson getting benched and why he's getting benched, right? I mean, there's a lot of problems. Look, on the surface, it is what it is. Zach Wilson played atrociously last week. Um, He has played pretty poorly since he's come back from the injury. Uh, Let's be honest. He's never actually played well, (laughs) right? I mean, ever. So, yeah, I get it. There's a lot to jump on if you really want to just pile on to this guy. But the reality is here is that Zach Wilson just isn't a good leader, right? I don't want to say he's not a bad a bad guy, but he isn't a good leader. We know the whole stuff with, you know, sleeping with their mom. We all had, you know, your mom's friend and all that. We all had a fun time with that, right? Ha, ha, ha. That's Zach Wilson. But in, in a way, doesn't that show a little bit of immaturity? In a way, doesn't that kind of show, you know, if he can do this to his friend, Right. I mean, what do we expect him to do to, to us sort of mentality? But that's not the big deal. Look, he does what he wants off the field. Who cares? We've also heard he was lazy in practice. All right, you know what? Guy uh, wasn't 100%. He's coming back from an injury. Okay. We can overlook that. Then we heard that he wasn't really hanging out with his teammates. All right, hey, you know what? Doesn't hang out with his teammates. He's got his own life. No big deal. Don't worry about it. Then we watched him come to the podium after last week. After putting up 103 total yards of offense last week, after looking absolutely pathetic against the Patriots once again last week, where the defense played their butts off, they came to the podium and they basically asked him, the reporters, hey, you know, do you take, uh, you know, uh, are you upset that you didn't play better? And do you take uh, it personal that, you know, the defense played so well? And he said, no, 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 I didn't. All he had to say, I believe that if Zach Wilson came to the podium and Zach Wilson looked at the cameras and said, this one's on me, I need to play better, I need to be better. I think if Wilson did that, he's a starting quarterback this week. I believe that. I believe if Wilson did that, he's the starting quarterback this week. But he didn't do that, guys, right? He flat out, he didn't do that. He came out and he was a little arrogant. He was a little bit of a problem child, we can say. And all you have to know is that this bothered the entire team so much because they benched him. Your team is not going to be in the middle of a playoff race, in the middle of chasing a division championship, and bench the future of your team, your first-round draft pick, your quarterback, if the rest of the team isn't behind this. That Robert Sala is not the kind of guy that is going to make a statement about this unless it bothered the rest of the team. It bothered the rest of the team to such a point that he had to do this. His hand was forced, guys. So from a sports betting perspective, I expect the Jets to play really well this week. Not because of Mike White, but because they're following somebody that they want to follow. They're they're finally getting behind somebody that they want to get behind and they want to follow this guy. So I, I, I think that he's going to play well, Mike White, to a certain extent but I think the team is going to elevate 
their game. And I think that the team is going to play really well on Sunday. Are they going to do it against Justin Fields? On the other side, the big news has been Justin Fields, right? He separated a separated shoulder. He has a partially torn ligament. Basically, quote unquote, he's calling it an AC joint. But he was in walkthroughs on Wednesday. He was in practice this week. Um, You know, look, he said he's dealing with a lot of pain. Even handing the ball off hurts. But he wants to try to start. He's going to try to give it a go. I mean, what a difference between two quarterbacks. Justin Fields drafted, obviously, the same draft as as Zach Wilson just a little bit uh, later on in the draft. Zach Wilson comes to the podium and says, yeah, it's not his fault. And he doesn't uh, blame his play. Justin Fields, with one arm, hurt, limping around, banged up, barely loses uh, after putting up uh, 30 points to, you know, the Atlanta Falcons and turns around and, and... they asked him about it, and he said, ah, you know what? This one's on me. I got to play better. Wait, wait, what? He apologized to his team. Apologized. Two very, very different players. And you can see one's a leader of men. You can see one is not quite a man yet. Uh, other news and notes about quarterbacks uh, being injured. Uh, the commanders have brought back Carson Wentz, right? He's able to return from the injured reserve, but he will not get the start. Ron Rivera said he's definitely going with Taylor Heineke. Why would you not? Now the commanders are in a playoff hunt and he's looking good. Cliff Kingsbury fired his offensive line coach and run game coordinator. Uh, That's a little shake up there. Jamar Chase is supposed to be back this week. It looks like he's going to be good to go against the Titans. I think that that gives them quite the boost, obviously. The New York Giants are dealing with all kinds of injuries. They're going to be out without Evan Neal. They're starting left tackle without their starting center, John Feliciano, without their starting guard, without their backup guard and Shane Lemieux. They're going to be just a shell of themselves. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire goes on injured reserve. Also quarterback news. I should have brought this up before. The Texans are going with Kyle Allen. They are benching Davis Mills. They're going with Kyle Allen here, not because he's good, but to give the idea that Davis Mills isn't the guy, right? Allen started 17 games. So that's a full season over the past three years. He's completing 63% of his passes. Hey, that's pretty good. 24 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Look, he's serviceable, I guess, right? I mean, he's he's serviceable at, at that position, but I think that this is more of an indication of Davis Mills, you're not the guy. Davis Mills, you're not going to be the guy that we roll with. And Davis Mills, you're out because we are going to draft somebody. They are going to have one of the top one or two picks. They are going to have their choice of who they want to draft next year, whether it be, uh, you know, probably, probably CJ Stroud. But they're going to have their choice who they want to go with. So, before we go it went into any of the games, I kind of wanted to get into that. I wanted to mention um, where we sit with a couple of these injuries and, and all the happenings that are going on this week because there are quite a bit. All right, now let's get into the Thanksgiving games. Buffalo, nine and a half point favorite over Detroit. The Lions, look, they have their first ever three-game winning streak that we can pretty much ever remember. Look, it's only been five years, but they're looking good. They really are. You look at what they're doing well, and they're rushing the ball well. They can pass the ball. Jamal Williams has 12 rushing touchdowns. He leads everybody in the NFL, and you start to get impressed with the Lions. They were 11-6 and six against the spread last year, um, even though they only won three games. They are 6-4 and four against the spread this year, right? They have upsets of the Packers. They were underdogs. 
Bears, they were underdogs. Giants, they were underdogs. Two of the three were on the road. Yeah, this is impressive, right? I mean, you you start to look at them and go, yeah, they're a dangerous team. And getting nine and a half points at a weird time slot at home, national TV, maybe Dan Campbell's got something. And you remember these are the Bills. Now, they haven't looked like the Bills. They haven't. Let's be honest. They really haven't looked like the Bills lately. And Josh Allen has not looked like Josh Allen at all. Josh Allen is out of sorts. Josh Allen doesn't look like himself. Josh Allen is going to have to kind of all of a sudden become Josh Allen again if they want a deep Super Bowl run. But here's the thing. The Bills don't need Josh Allen to be Josh Allen to win this game. The Bills ran for 171 yards over the Browns. The Lions' defense is terrible, right? I mean, just absolutely terrible. You look at the Lions, they've given up the most yards per game, the most points per game in the entire NFL. The Bills, they rank second in both points scored and yards per game. It's a total mismatch. It's a total mismatch, right? You look at the offense and then the defense of the Bills. Look, the defense isn't great. It's the number one offense in the league. The defense, they were good earlier. Now they're dealing with all kinds of injuries. Rousseau has been out. White has been out. Poyer's missed some time. He's back now. Um, they're number two in total offense. That's great, but their defense is only ranked 13th. But can the Lions take advantage of that? I don't think so. I really don't. Now, I will say this. The Bills' last five games have been one-score games. So if you're somebody that's looking at that, it could be alluring to take the nearly double digits with the Lions if that's something that you're paying attention to. Dallas Giants coming up here. Another big spread in the middle of this now suddenly the NFC least we called it for years. Now it's the NFC beast because, man, this this division, you, you can get four teams in. I mean, Washington's making a push to make four teams in. Dallas, though, they're sitting here. They're nine-point favorite over the New York Giants. The Giants are all banged up. Like I just said to you, Wendell Robinson's out for the year. And now you're looking at the guys that I mentioned. Also, uh, Adoree Jackson will be out. Fabian Morneau, the cornerback, will be out. So that's two corners out. So they're going to have two corners out. They're going to have three offensive linemen out. I mean, this is a problem. And the Giants aren't exactly that dominating team that can deal with these injuries. They're 19th in yards per game and 17th in yards per game allowed. They're middle of the pack, if not not even middle of the pack. They're actually the other way, right? They're, they're not very good. There's a chance that Bellinger could miss this game. There's a chance that Rick, or Ricky James could miss this game. It's a problem, guys. It's a problem. The, this was, though, their first game last week was their first game all year decided by, decided by more than one uh, score. So they usually keep things within eight points, which is the point spread here. Dallas, they had a great game last week. It was one of the best games of the season as far as impression, impressions-wise. Beating up the one-loss Vikings 40-3. to Dak Prescott looked really good. Since Dak has been on the field, they have the NFL's fourth best offense uh, according to EPA per play. That is fantastic. And now you look and you look at the Cowboys' dominance over the Giants. It cannot be understated. The Cowboys have won 10 of the last 11 games in the series. The Cowboys beat them in week three, 23-16 when Cooper Rush looked good. Daniel Jones was sacked five times, picked off once. And while everybody's looking at Dak Prescott, Dak is going to look good in this game. It is the Daniel Jones factor. Is he going to be able to be playing mistake-free football 
which mistake-free football is what you're going to need to compete in this game. You're going to need that level of mistake-free football to play well in this game. I don't know if you can count on that. Now, I don't like laying points in a division game, especially in prime time, especially division rivals like this, but you can't overlook what the Cowboys are doing. The Cowboys are suddenly becoming a Super Bowl-worthy type of team. That's something to pay attention to. Now, Unlike just the Lions and Cowboys hosting Thanksgiving games for the better part of my entire life, well, we have a third game that was added, and the third game is usually a good game. I think it's going to be a good one here. The Vikings are a three-point favorite over the New England Patriots. And now there's two sides to this Patriot coin. I'm somebody that likes the Patriots, right? But I do understand. Mac Jones had been sacked nearly 10% of all his dropbacks. Uh, He's 34th out of 35 quarterbacks in the NFL. Right? I mean, that's a problem. And it's not just Mac Jones. Look, Mac Jones' limited mobility is surely a problem in the new kind of NFL. But it's the offensive line. The offensive line, they they just look terrible, right? And you start to think about, okay, well, if the offensive line looks bad, it's not necessarily a Mac Jones thing. Can this team get to them? Well, Danielle Hunter is going to make sure that he gets to them. New England's offensive line problems also are a problem for guys that are running the ball. Ramondre Stevenson was playing great, but now he's on a short week. He's averaging under three and a half carries over his last four games. Last year and his entire college career, he's never had more than 101 carries at all. So maybe the touches are starting to get to him. Now, Damian Harris was worked in a little bit more last week, but Damian Harris is not the kind of talent that Stevenson is. So that's a problem, right? And you look at all that can go bad with the Patriots, and there's a lot. But there's a lot that can go good with the New England Patriots, right? I know, look, Christian Darasau being out uh, for the Vikings is something that this Patriots team can take advantage of because the Patriots rank first in EPA per drive, through drive. The Patriots defense have not surrendered a touchdown. Let me explain this to you very slowly. They haven't, put, they haven't allowed a touchdown in a month. Literally, an entire month, they have not allowed a touchdown. Their defense is absolutely fantastic. And now you go up against primetime Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's a thing. In his past eight primetime games, Kirk Cousins, three and five, two of those came against the Bears, right? A bad Bears team. He's thrown 10 interceptions in those eight games. That's a problem. He played a primetime game against the Eagles this year, threw three interceptions in that game. He's 0-2 career against the Patriots. Got three interceptions in those two games, right? Uh, His team did not score more than 10 points in either one of those games. And now the Patriots defense, it's ranked number four in yards allowed per game, um, come into this game. We just watched what the Cowboys were. For comparison's sake, the Cowboys ranked eighth overall. And I think that Kirk Cousins' prime time can be a struggle once again. I'm looking at this Patriots team and I'm saying, I know nobody believes in them. Nobody believes in them because they're winning, quote unquote, ugly. They're running the ball. They're playing good defense. That's the way they're winning. They don't have a flashy quarterback. As a matter of fact, they don't have a flashy wide receiver. They don't even have a flashy tight end. And and I like Stevenson and I like Harris, but let's be honest, they're not even flashy running backs. So people don't pay attention to them. Maybe in fantasy you overlook look them. Maybe when you're doing prop plays you overlook them. But this is a well-rounded team. It's a well-coached team. It's a short week. Uh, everything's up against Minnesota. My question is why, is, why is the line three? Everyone's on Minnesota. There's 72% of the bets coming in on Minnesota. It seems this is the easiest game of the week for most people. I'm looking at the other way and saying I think the Patriots are dangerous in this spot, in this area, especially with this defense. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. Lots more to do right after this on Wagering Week. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gamble before the end of the day. No way. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, one of the odds brings us to the question, how much is a quarterback worth, right? That's always the interesting question. Well, Justin Fields makes more, way more sense than uh, Zach Wilson does. So the line of the New York Jets against the Chicago Bears opened at minus four with the Justin Fields speculation. It went up to four and a half. As the Justin Fields news continued over the course of the week, it went up to minus six. Then it touched minus seven. And it's expected that if Justin Fields is officially named out of this game, it can reach nine or ten in this game for the New York Jets. Now, uh, the New York Jets getting their starting quarterback, I don't want to say it's going to impact it in a good way or a bad way, but having their starting quarterback out also can impact this line as well. So watch this one. But that is, what are the odds? I always do find it pretty interesting. Um, The industry standard, guys, what we always talk about in the industry is a quarterback's worth about a touchdown. About a touchdown. If it's a really good, you know, if Patrick Mahomes was out or Josh Allen was out, you're going to get seven, eight points, um, depending on, on who they're playing and whatnot. But it's generally considered six points is a pretty good one. If it's a weak quarterback, it's going to be one or two points. A Dak Prescott, for example, is worth five or six points. He's in the middle. So it's generally right around a touchdown. With Justin Fields, though, how much offense that he's been, yeah, I can see it getting up to seven plus. For sure. Absolutely. All right, let's continue on. No problems in the quarterback with Miami, who's laying now 12 points in this one against the Houston Texans, who are switching quarterback. And I did mention... The idea that, look, Davis Mills is out, okay? Davis Mills has been bad, but Allen is not much better. And you're going up against an offense that is just going to score at will. Look, Miami's coming off of a bye week, right? And since Tua has been back, the offense is number three in the league at 391.5 yards per game. That is fantastic. They are not only going deep, but they're getting contributions from the newly picked up Wilson at running back. Mostert's still running the ball well. Everybody on this team seems to be clicking, and now they're coming back from a bye week, so they're healthy. They go up against the Texans, who not only have the number 31 defense, but the number 30 offense overall. The thing with the Texans is this. Look, the Dolphins rank second in offensive DVOA. Um, you That also, by the way, is without Tua. You can argue that the Dolphins have the best offense in, in the NFL, and I don't think that you would get a lot of pushback on that. The thing is, is that the Texans, while they stink, they can't play defense worth a lick. They have the worst running defense in the league by like 10 plus yards. They have a terrible offense. It's not going to get fixed just because all of a sudden you're going to go to this this Allen kid. Come on, it's not happening. 
But the Texans are interesting against the spread. They are 2-0 against the spread as double-digit underdogs. They covered as a 10-point road dog uh, against the Broncos in Week 2. They covered as a 14-point home dog against the Eagles in Week 9. And now they come in as a big double-digit underdog. For whatever reason, say that it's the coaching. You can say that it's the culture. You can say that these guys fight. Maybe it's Damian Pierce. For whatever reason, they tend to play pretty good and pretty close with just about everybody, especially in spots where nobody gives them a a choice, a challenge, or nobody gives them any kind of hope at all. They're playing well. All right, Jacksonville, Baltimore, Jags are getting four points here. Jags are also off of a bye week. Look, the the Jags offense can score, right? I mean, they they can put up some points here. I know it's not a huge thing, but they put up 70 points in everything but one game this year. So they're going to be able to score some points. Now, I know the Ravens, their new defense looks good. Roquan Smith, all of a sudden, him playing with Patrick Queen, all of a sudden now Patrick Queen looks like he could fulfill what had lofty expectations for him. Their defense looks really good. And their defense, look, it looked good last week, right? I mean, their defense looked fantastic. But their offense had a lot of problems last week. Yeah, they had a 10-point win. But for most of that game, they had just looked stuck in the mud. They didn't know what to do. They didn't utilize Andrews at all. They were a bad team last year. I mean, this was a 3-3 game against the lowly Panthers who just switched their quarterback for the third time and they're missing a coach. It was a 3-3 game going into the fourth quarter, right? I mean, their running game had 3.8 yards per carry. That That's okay, uh, you know, for a Jaguars team. Now, Gus Edwards might come back for this one. Like I said, the, the Baltimore Ravens are getting healthy. Andrews is getting a little bit healthier. You can start to see that happening. But you look at the Jags and you go, yeah, they have some offensive things that you could call on. They are fifth in offensive success rate, right? What happens is, is that they are just, I hate to use the word unlucky, but I keep using it. They're unlucky, which means that they are bad inside short zone. Inside of the two minutes, and I've mentioned this before, and it does mean something and hold some water here. Inside of two minutes of the half and the end of the game, they're the third worst team in the NFL on scoring differential. Okay, they are one in five in games decided by seven points or fewer. Here's the thing with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're an organization and they're a full a, a team. I know they're young, but they have a full team of guys that let's just be honest. They don't know how to win. They just they haven't been taught how to win. They haven't won in a long time. So they don't know how to win these close games, these tough games that also shows you that they are playing close and tough games, right? They are also in every single game. They're right there. It's not a huge line, but it's a four line, and that four line scares me a little bit in this spot. Let's talk about Washington, Atlanta. This one was three for most of the week. It was hanging at three for most of the week, and it ticked over and fell over to three and a half in favor of Washington on the road against Atlanta. Now, we talked about you know how quarterbacks are moving and, and whatnot. There isn't a quarterback being moved in Washington. Carson Wentz is allowed to come back. He's now coming off the IR, and he's going to be Heineke's show. Look, I'm not telling you that Heineke's fantastic, right? It's okay. But what he does is he makes people around him better, and they feel better about this. Most of this is Washington's defense that that ranks now second in rushing against, right? I mean, they, they look fantastic. And since Heineke has taken over, they've allowed seven fewer points per game than expected, right? So, I mean, that is pretty good. Their defense, when you look at the guys with Josh Allen with six and a half sacks, 
Darren Payne, six and a half sacks. Montev Sweat has six sacks. They are doing what they need to do to make up for Chase Young being out. And they are really, really looking pretty good here when you're looking at their defense taking the next ascension. And basically, it's asking Taylor Heineke to just not ruin the game, and he hasn't been. He can scramble a little bit. He can do those things. Brian Robinson, not great yards per carry, but he's a good complement to Antonio Gibson, what they have on. And they can go deep. Look, Samuel and, and you know, you look at uh, McLaren and all, even Dotson, all their wide receivers can get that deep ball. So you have to watch out for them when you go deep. Here's the thing with Atlanta. They are a fun team. They are rushing the ball more than anybody else in the NFL. Yeah, that includes the Bears. They're having rushing success in the top five in the league. This is a rushing offense. And you add Mariota, who has done a pretty good job. Now, they do lose Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is going to be out of this game. So that, depending on where you sat, I know Kyle Pitts has been a disappointment in fantasy circles, but he's a target that people have to cover. Now, you look at them and you go, their pass blocking unit is actually ranked 23rd. They can't throw the ball. So it's going to be run, run, run. They can't throw the ball. And Atlanta has been the most run-heavy team, like I said, in the NFL. They pass for under 40% of the time. So they're a one-dimensional team going up against a defense that is praying for you to run the ball. I find it a hard situation to go against Washington here, but something tells me that Atlanta plays well at home getting points in this spot. is just not a spot that I want to lay points with. Not to this team, not in this spot, but it's Washington or nothing for me. Cleveland, Tampa, sort of the same thing, right? Tampa opened up as a three-point favorite. The public rushed to Tampa. They ran all over them, and now it tipped over to three and a half. And the, look, the Bucks are going to get a lot of money because obviously it's Tom Brady. Obviously, it's that that situation where they are going to get a lot of the public money. But the Bucks' defense is not playing well right now, right? They are giving up four and a half yards per carry. That's much worse than last year. And remember when the Bucs made the Super Bowl, it was about a full yard less than that. The Browns though, they've lost five of the last six games. We know that this is going to be the last game before Deshaun Watson comes in and swoops in and tries to save the franchise. Let's be real. He's not going to do that. Uh, It's going to be Chubb and Hunt and running game. But I do start to see that this passing game is opening up. Cooper is a guy that you really have to be accounted of. Donovan Peoples-Jones is suddenly a guy. He has um, had 73 or more yards in each of the last four games. And Donovan Peoples-Jones got into the end zone for the first time last week. Their offense is actually coming around. And their offense for the Browns is not something that you expect them to kind of lean on. But they've been playing really well. I do think that this is going to be a- an indictment of the Bucks defense if they don't go out here, get the win, and play well. But... It shouldn't be because the Browns are playing well offensively. The Bucks offensively, now coming off of a bye week, get some time to prepare. You know how Brady is. We always talk about coaches. How about Brady off of a bye week, right? And right before the bye week, they put together a really impressive offensive performance. And you can say that it's because people are getting healthy. Mike Evans is starting to get healthy. Godwin's getting healthy. They still can't run the ball, right? But they did put up 400-plus yards against the Seahawks, a Seahawks team that I know it was a neutral site game, but a Seahawks team that was rolling at the time, right? And as bad as Tom Brady has been getting pressured, and he's been getting pressured right along with the Joe Burrows of the world, right along with the Matthew Staffords of the world, he's been getting pressured right there. No one's sacking him because of his quick release. If they could get a little bit more protection on him, this Tampa Bay team can go from not only winning this game, but really looking good in the future and starting to become almost that Super Bowl-laden team that we've talked about. But you need to give him some time. 
Jets, Bears, we talked about this, and the line's going everywhere, right? A lot of this is just on Justin Fields. If Justin Fields doesn't play in this game, I think that the, the, the Jets should, they, they may shut down the Bears. The Bears' offense have been fantastic. I mean, it really has. And Trevor Simeon's not a bad quarterback. Uh, he's You have much worse coming in there. I, I'll tell you, he's better than what Houston's throwing in there right now. And I think he's about on par with a Taylor Heineke. I, I don't think that it's that far off. Wilson needed to go. We get it. Justin Fields, he's banged up. That's what this story is. We can sit back and talk about the Bears and their deficiencies on defense. I don't know if Mike White is going to be able to take advantage of of that. I do think the Jets are better than we watched last week, but I don't think the Jets are as good as we've watched all season. As far as the Bears go, look, the Bears are in every single game. Every game, day in and day out, they are in it. They are close. They are fighting, but they're just coming up short. And much like the Jaguars, if you continue to just come up short, eventually that's going to start getting into your psyche and it's going to be a problem. Carolina is getting two and a half points at home against Denver. They're going at Sam Darnold here. Does it matter? Walker, Mayfield, Darnold, does it matter? I mean, look, there's an argument to be made that Darnold's better than the other two, but not by a substantial amount. What I look at is the Carolina Panthers defense that is playing really well. And they're playing really well for Steve Wilkes. Look, Brian Burns is one of the best defensive ends in the league. Let's just put it that way. Jeremy Chin came back. He had a great debut coming back. This is a defense-first team. This is a defense-first team that wants to run the ball with Foreman all day long. And I don't think they're going to just unleash Sam Donald throwing it downfield and getting the big chunk plays. No, you're not going to do that against Denver's defense, which is the best defense in the NFL right now. Denver's defense, you can't throw on with certain. Denver's defense, you could run a little bit. Well, that fits right into Carolina's just wheelhouse here when you look at that. Look, the Panthers have covered the last two games and four of the last five. So they're playing well. In Denver, they have all kinds of problems. We thought that they would be fixed last week. Somehow or another, they lose that game to the Raiders. And I say somehow or another, their offense just can't score. I think Carolina's defense plays really well here. I do. And I think Denver's defense obviously plays really well. This has a, a just the looks of a low-scoring, battle-it-out, tough type of game. We talk about tough types of games, and this will be the last one I talk about uh, in the early window, right? We talk about tough games. This is the best game of the week by far. I wish we had, in a holiday weekend, I'm looking at the Monday night game and I'm saying, that's a yawn fest. I'm looking at the Sunday night game and going, yeah, a little intrigue. I'm looking at this game and saying, this is the best game maybe of the year when all is said and done. And we're talking about the Titans getting a point against the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, the Titans have gone seven and one over the last eight games. The Bengals almost as good. They've gone six and two over the last eight weeks. They are two red hot teams. You remember last year, they both met in the playoffs, right? The Titans were the number one overall seed. The Bengals turned around and went to the Super Bowl. We get it. Last year, the Titans sacked Burrow nine times in that playoff game. Nine times. And even though they lost Harold Landry at the beginning of the year, the Titans' defense is on pace to have more sacks this year than they did last year. Their defense is really coming around. They really are. You look at the Titans, though, they are allowing 245 yards per game through the air. That is eighth most in the NFL. So while they do pressure the quarterback, if they don't get to him, they leave guys behind them, and you go, okay, so the Titans can turn around and, and be thrown on. That's a bad situation for coming in against this Bengals team. 
while Joe Mixon might be dealing with a concussion, Jamar Chase is looking like he's going to return. Now, Joe Burrow is going to be able to throw all day long. In the past nine quarters without Chase, uh, so that's you know two games plus, they've scored 92 points. That's 10 points per quarter. That's 41 points over the entire game. The Bengals' offense has found its rhythm, guys. They have covered eight straight and while this is a revenge game for the Titans, the Bengals also have scored 79 points the last two games. And now you add Jamar Chase against a team that just flat out literally cannot stop the pass. I mean, that, that's just what it is. Chase also, by the way, was on fire right before he went down. 262 yards in the two games before he went down to 15 catches. And two, that, that was all of a sudden them remembering, oh yeah, we have Jamar Chase. Let's go after him. Derrick Henry leading the NFL in rushing attempts per game for the fourth straight season. Derrick Henry is the monster that we all know that he is. We get it, okay? But when you're talking about this kind of game, it's who do you believe in? Whose philosophy do you believe in? Because there are two different philosophies. It is slow me down, go slow pace, eat the clock, Derrick Henry, play defense where you are just blitzing after Joe Burrow. But if you don't get to Joe Burrow, this is going to be throw it all day long. One thing I do want to mention is maybe people are starting to believe that the Titans won't be so one-dimensional from here on out. I know it's a very small sample size, okay? And I'm not talking about the Hoopers of the world or or the Woods of the world. No, I'm talking about their first-round draft pick, uh, Mr. Burks. And Mr. Burks came on, right? And he looked really, really good last week. Ryan Tannehill was a guy that we thought maybe should be benched for Malik Willis. Malik Willis came in and he did some fun things and he's an exciting athlete and all that. But the reality of the situation is Ryan Tannehill knows how to run this offense. Ryan Tannehill has won 10 plus games each of the last three years. Ryan Tannehill got the number one overall seed last year. Ryan Tannehill is still the leader of this offense, but he's able to go deep. He was able to go deep and find their new weapon. And maybe it is a new weapon. I don't know. Maybe it was a one-off. But if this is the new weapon and you have to account for the deep ball from Traylon Burks and you have to account for that, all of a sudden the Titans are not a one-dimensional team. The Titans now have layers offensively. And while I still don't think that you're going to be able to keep up with Cincinnati unless you sack him nine times like last year, even then it didn't work out, um, I still look at this Titans team and say, they're a team nobody wants to play come the playoff time, and they're a team nobody wants to play right now. I think this is a rough matchup for Cincinnati unless they're able to get the deep ball working and get it working right away. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw both of these teams in the playoffs, and it wouldn't shock me if both of these teams met up again in the playoffs and have the same kind of similar game. So when I say that this is the best game of the weekend, it's the best game of the weekend because it's a very potential, maybe an AFC championship game, but very potentially two playoff teams in a playoff matchup with a one-point spread. I love that. I absolutely love that. All right, but that's into the future. Now let's go back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, to the future. future. Okay, guys, let's go bet to the future. Bet to the future. Well, I mentioned earlier, hey, look, we have other sports going on. So let's take a look at the Stanley Cup odds, where they are right now. We go take a look at this. We've got Colorado Avalanche plus 450 right now, leading the way. Boston coming in at 8-1, to one, and the Vegas Golden Knights are 8-1 to one as well. Carolina Hurricanes 9-1, to one. Calgary Flames 12-1. to one. The Maple Leafs are 14-1, to 16-1. to one. The suddenly red hot and in this thing, New Jersey Devils, Florida Panthers, New York Rangers, Tampa Bay Lightning, all 16 to 1, 20 to 1, Dallas Stars, Edmonton Oilers, 30 to 1, the Kings, the Wild, the Islanders, the Penguins, 40 to 1, the Blues, 
50 to 1. We have the Kraken, the Jets, and the Capitals. 80 to 1, the Red Wings, and then 100 to 1, the Sabres and Predators. Everybody else after that is 200 to 300 to 1, the Flyers, Blue Jackets, Senators, Canucks, Ducks, Canadians, Blackhawks, and Sharks and Coyotes coming in all the way at 5,000 to 1. I mean, basically, uh, yeah, you're a millionaire. You go bet on them. And that is Bet to the Future. All right, guys, let's go right back into the NFL action this weekend, and we're looking at the late games now, late games across the country, start with Arizona and the Chargers. You're looking at the Chargers about three, three and a half. Like I said, some of these three lines have tipped over to the three and a half. Uh, by the time we get to Sunday, it might tip back to three. This is one of those lines I expect to absolutely tip back because it looks like Kyler Murray is probably going to play in this one. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the offensive co- coordinator, Sean Coogler, is uh, was fired. He's out here kind of getting the axe. And what happens is Cliff Kingsbury is trying to save his job. Kyler Murray has that hamstring injury, but he looks like he's coming back. This is when you make a move um, in your staff is when you think that you have a winnable game on the surface. Now, look, this is not exactly an easy game. Absolutely not. They should be underdogs in this game, but they're at home and they're in a position here where you go, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Look, the defense has been bad for the Chargers, right? It has really been bad. But the last couple of weeks, it has shown glimpses. We saw some glimpses with Khalil Mack and company against Kansas City. We certainly saw some glimpses against San Francisco. Brandon Staley, he's all of a sudden becoming one of those coaches where you're going to have to start asking questions. They went out there and they gave pretty much everything to this team. Now Keenan Allen is back. The bad news is Mike Williams uh, hurt his ankle injury. He left the game, but he might be back. Now there's no excuses for Brandon Staley, who has actually turned into, uh, look, a bad in-game coach, a bad decision maker at this point. And you start to ask yourself, what else do we have to give you? We gave you Justin Herbert. We got, you have Allen, you have Williams, now healthy. You have the best running back in the league in Austin Eckler. Um, The defense with Derwin James and Khalil Mack. Joey Bosa should be back soon. So it's okay that you're crawling along at five and five now. But it's not okay if you don't make the playoffs for the second year in a row. I think this is a must-win game for the Chargers. I know that the Cardinals have the same sort of feeling, but this is a must-win game. Uh, Both of these coaches might be gone if their team doesn't win, and I think that this win really will lead a long ways into seeing who goes to the playoffs. Seattle Raiders, is there a coaching mismatch bigger than this one? Pete Carroll, 70-something years old, been in the league for a long time. He's got Super Bowls, got national championships, And then you have Josh McDaniels, who just can't seem to keep a job. Well, the Raiders won last week, so that certainly helped out. But Seattle's coming up from a bye week here. Look, the Seattle Seahawks are number 12 in total offense in the league. Now, that is with Geno Smith playing like an MVP level. Walker coming back, and he's looking real good. And before that, sort of Rashad Penny. Uh, Metcalf, Lockett are looking good. But they're number 26 in total defense. So their defense is really giving up some big chunk yards and some big chunk plays. The Raiders, meanwhile, they're 16th in total offense. They are just a little bit worse than average. Now, we've watched big spurts where Josh Jacobs looks good. We've also watched spurts where Devontae Adams dominates. But their secondary options just aren't there. Now all the rumors are surrounding in Las Vegas that Derek Carr might be out of a job. They are 27th in total defense, though. They spent money in the offseason going to get Chandler Jones. So you have two really bad defenses here. The Raiders defense is actually giving up the second most rushing touchdowns and the seventh most passing yards. So it doesn't matter what you do on them. With all the bad that is being said about these teams, look, Seattle would be a seven team right now. 
okay? And they would be going to Minnesota. Anybody trust that they can't win that game? I mean, come on. You know, we absolutely are looking at a Seattle team that needs this win. They've been playing well. Their offensive line is playing well. They are a better team than the Raiders. I don't love laying three and a half here, but I think that they could play well. Look, rookie cornerback Woolen, he can really blanket Devontae Adams. Now, Adams is going to get his yards, but he can blanket him and play a pretty big role in this game. Chiefs, Rams, Chiefs up to 14 and a half point favorites. Matt Stafford's going to be out there calling it a neck injury, even though he's in concussion protocol. He had an arm injury before the season. This is one of the reasons I didn't love the Rams this year. And you look back and you go, you know, is it worth it? We just talked about Justin Fields. Is it worth it? We're talking about Cooper Cup. Is it worth it to bring him back? Is it worth it to bring Matthew Stafford back? I don't think so. This is a guy that has littered his entire career with injuries all up and down his entire career. The Chiefs are only four and six against the spread. I get it. And this is a massive spread. The Chiefs have one four straight. They're looking at the number one seed. You can't let up here. The Rams have a minus 59 point differential right now. That's the worst in the NFC. They looked awful. I don't like to lay 14 and a half points in any spot, but if there's one, this might be the game. Saints against the Niners, eight and a half is the spread. Niners keep getting these eight, eight and a half spreads. This is going to be three weeks now, right about there. And San Francisco's turning around to become that team that's almost overrated. People are loving this team. They are absolutely in the top five for Super Bowl odds right now. They rank number nine in yards per game. They have the number one overall defense in the NFL. They're allowing 284 yards per game. And then you go, well, why is the line only eight, right? The Saints don't have a quarterback. The Saints are banged up. It's because the Saints' defense is not bad. Look, it ranks 12th in yards allowed per game. So they're, they have the ability to maybe keep themselves in this thing. I like San Francisco this past week. I don't love laying the points against what could be a very tough San Fran team. This is a, San, a, a, a New Orleans Saints team. This is a San Fran team that can be caught looking ahead. They can be caught in a tough spot. They played two primetime games in a row, and now it's kind of, okay, well, it's the Saints. I wouldn't expect a huge letdown here because San Fran has Super Bowl hopes, but it wouldn't shock me either against the number 12 defense. Eagles, Packers, they're going to take the Sunday night game. Eagles minus six. Look, Philly has not looked good over the last three weeks, and I think that we all knew this kind of fall was coming, but they didn't look good against Houston, right? I mean, that's a problem. Um, You know, you look at the Eagles, and they led the game for a little over a minute against the Colts. Colts are probably a non-playoff team. They let, they, they were blown out against, against the Commanders, which right now, no. Right now against the Commanders, they are not a playoff team. And here comes the Packers, a non-playoff team. But they're 4-7 and seven straight up. They're 4-7 and seven against the spread. They usually get over, you know, overbought on the line. I don't know if they're overboard here. Look, Rodgers is 13-2 and two his past 15 primetime games. And has it come to a point where maybe you can find that vulnerability in Philadelphia where you just run it? Philadelphia, they, they have less than 300 total yards per game over the last two weeks. Well, that's a problem. They were averaging nearly 400 yards per game over the first eight weeks. And the Packers, the 3-1 and one this season when they rush for 120 yards or more, 1-6 when they don't, they're going to run at this team, which you can absolutely run on. Monday Night Football, the Colts are two and a half point favorites over Pittsburgh Steelers. We talk about it all the time, how good Mike Tomlin is getting points. This is a primetime game. He's getting points. The Steelers also over the last five games, they're three and two against the spread. No coincidence, TJ Watt has come back. No coincidence that Najee Harris over the last three weeks looks like the Najee Harris that we thought he would be. The Colts, though, they've covered the spread in the last two games. The Steelers have covered in three of the last five as well, like I said. So you look at two teams that are covering. I think you have to stay far away from this game. It's just not one that you want to touch. I lean with the Steelers just 
just because it's Tomlin, just because it's points, just because it's Monday Night Football, and it's a primetime game. But I like what I've seen with Jeff Saturday and the Colts. Look, they almost beat Philly. And if they beat Philly, this line is not two and a half. We're talking about uh, Philly led for a minute and 20 seconds in that game. If the Colts wind up beating Philly, this line is probably four or five. So you're getting some value if you want to look at it like that because they didn't win for a, a minute and a half or so. But overall, what about the same kind of problems that are coming up? If you stuff Jonathan Taylor, do you believe that this team can throw on you? I, I see a low-scoring game. It is a low total for a reason. And a low-scoring game, I'm going to lean the points, but it certainly won't be on any of my tickets. All right, guys, that's going to do it for me. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. Enjoy all the things that you do with Thanksgiving. Eat a lot of turkey. And, and just don't, don't, don't worry about your diet or your waistline at this point, right? Just enjoy and lots of football this weekend. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.